Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Fight for your life. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania in the largest arms in the world runs wild on you? Hey everybody, and welcome to Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. This is a retrospective pro wrestling podcast network where we romanticize, fantasize, watch and review your favorite or not so favorite storylines, matches, events, and or feuds from your pro wrestling past. I'm one half of the hosting squad from Baltimore, Maryland, lockdown, quarantine style, outside, Kobe Nida. And as always, I am joined here with the mayor of Kicking Out at Two, from Connecticut, Maryland. Uh, pfft, sorry. Let me. Let me. <laughs> wow. Jeez. Connecticut, Maryland, man. Wow. <clears throat> Joining me, the mayor of Kicking Out at Two from Connecticut. It is Dave Rosenblue. Dave, what's going on? Lockdown, quarantine style. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, making the best of it, but you know, uh, you think things are, things are as, as good as they can be right now. Yes, indeed. Uh, breaking kayfabe. What day is it? What state are you in, Dave? <laughs> everything. Are we gonna leave? Are we gonna leave that in? Everything's just, blurring together. I should just leave it in. Yeah, just leave it in. All I right, just leave it in. Whatever. Welcome yeah. to Welcome to Hulkamania is dead, everybody. Episode sixteen, covering Survivor Series nineteen ninety one. If you're not familiar with this podcast, Hulkamania is dead. Please go back to episode one. Follow through. It's a chronological fantasy booking podcast. What would happen if Hulk Hogan? left the WWF, what would it look like if we took the reins over, what type of booking would we get into, who would be the top players, what storylines would be going on, who would be introduced as the next top guy, uh, follow from episode 1 through 15, Dave and I just dropped episode 15 a, a week or two ago, SummerSlam, covering SummerSlam 1991, what a great event there, um, go back, listen to these episodes you'll have a lot of fun dave is joining me now on the ride here uh booking ever so beautifully with me and uh dave you're also doing some fantasy booking yourself on your end at kicking out at two i've i've almost uh i popped your cherry in a way and then you you've kind of mutated and grown your own uh way of booking i love it what, what's going yeah. on with kicking out at two? Oh, well, uh, i mean i i i appreciate the compliment um <clears throat> excuse me um, currently right now, um, as we record this, uh, what's available on the stream, you can find the most recent edition of Kicking Out of Two, the Money in the Bank Reimagined series from 1985 to 2004. Uh, it was an idea that I kind of ripped off of another podcast, so I kind of put my own little spin on it, where we, we reimagined um, the Money in the Bank concept had it been created at the inaugural WrestleMania and beyond. So I, I booked the Money in the Bank ladder matches from WrestleManias 1 through 20 with the participants and also booked the cash-ins, the successful or unsuccessful cash-ins, if you will. And I mixed some fiction with reality. Um, I had a lot 
lot of fun with that one. I, uh, <clears throat> it took me a few days to, to record that one because it was so long. I was going to try and break it up into like two or three parts, but um, I just thought it would be uh, more fitting just to give it all rolled into one shot. So you can find that up on the stream currently right now on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Searching Retromania with a W, you'll find Kicking Out of Two, as well as Money in the Bank Reimagined. Uh, 1985 to 2004. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two, as well as our Twitter handle at kicking out two, K I C K N O U T, and the number two. Um, what's coming up in the stream next? I'm not sure when you're going to drop this, Cope. So, uh, um, uh, currently, right now, as of this moment, um, another fanny pack, another day five fanny pack is set to drop uh, very soon with uh, a, a it's got a WCW theme to it. Five random topics that I can't dedicate one whole show to, but I can all mix them into this fanny pack here. And uh, it's it's about five concepts in WCW that barely saw the light of day, were very short-lived, failed experiments, such as Sting's heel turn in 1999, um, <coughs> the, uh, the WCW uncensored pay-per-view concept, as well as... Uh, the WCW Hall of Fame, which I thought was probably the, the, the concept that had the most potential out of them all, and, and other great topics as well. So you can find that up on the streams, uh, Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Absolutely, and you can find any of our podcasts by searching Retromania with a W. We're on Podbean. That's our home there. There's more than 215 podcasts, more than 300 hours of wrestling content for your ears. Uh, please divulge, like, rate, review, share, subscribe. It's the only way we're going to grow. Find us on Facebook as well, uh, Retromania with a W. And we're on Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, if that's your jam. Do all that stuff. Follow us late. Like, rate, review, share, and subscribe. That is the way to help us grow. And I appreciate everybody that's jumped on and uh, continued listening with us and uh, gathered back on the bandwagon for Hulkamania's Dead. Um, you ready to get into this, Dave? Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do this. Episode 16, covering the road to Survivor Series 1991 and the actual event of Survivor Series 1991. Let's take everybody back real quick to what happened at SummerSlam 1991. IRS debuted with Million Dollar Man uh, in his corner. Million Dollar Man introduced a new member of his Million Dollar Corporation. And IRS picked up a victory over Greg the Hammer Valentine. Uh, yeah. Okay, so making an impact there. Not too much to talk about. Then well, we, with, you know, uh, the only the only thing we can make mention of that is that at the at, at SummerSlam 1991 in real time, that match actually did take place. Mm-hmm. If you remember, yes, it was it was it was a filler. It wasn't you know really much to write home about then, as if, you know um, as we're talking about it right now. But yeah, it was uh, it, it, it happened. So ironically enough. Um, in our SummerSlam 1991, in our reimagined Fantasy SummerSlam 1991, the same match took place. So that's uh, pretty interesting. Yes, just a little different circumstance. Million Dollar Man introducing IRS and him making his debut and an impact there. Um, so Million Dollar Man reforming his Million Dollar Corporation in our storyline. We'll see how it goes from there. The next match on the card was the odd pairing, but uh, these guys have been on a... On a, on a on a storm here lately because uh, they're both good workhorses. Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels defeat Earthquake and Typhoon in a tag team match. 
yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where this uh, where, where this story's headed uh, with the two of them. Um, even though I'm on the booking team, I'm still kind of new to the team, so I don't have I'm not as quite as acclimated. But uh, uh, this is uh, this is an interesting setup here that you uh, that you've put together. So I'm kind of kind of intrigued as, as to the trajectory of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Will this fiction uh, mirror the reality of, of the two stars uh, that we saw? Um, in wrestling history. Absolutely. Um, then we have SD, the Ultimate Barber Warrior, Papa Shango, Red Rooster, not a Mountie Jones, which I'm going to retcon now, and we'll we'll get a little serious. It's just a Mountie. We'll make it Ray Rougeau. Okay? Everybody happy now? Alright. So, so, hold on, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Time out, time out. So, Special Delivery Joe. Adopted it, all these different characters, correct? <laughs> in your timeline, correct. Okay, so now you're going to retcon and turn <laughs> Special Delivery Jones, Barber Warrior, Shango, whatever the fuck you want to call him, Home Depot cashier, um, and you're going to turn him into a white guy, a French Canadian white guy. <laughs> well, in in the storyline, we thought it would be funny to keep. SD Jones around as long as he actually wrestled which was until 1993 and we thought it would be interesting to just have him gather up all the box of gimmicks and uh, okay. become this amalgamation. I kind of want to so take I kind of wanted to take this a little bit, bit more serious and the joke has run its course. I'm, I'm not sure how, how much further we can go with SD the Ultimate Barber Warrior, Red Rooster, Papa Shango, not a Mountie Jones. But but you just said now he is the Mountie no, so, it's it's just the Mountie. Oh, he's just the Mountie. Yeah, he's not Ray Rougeau. It's it's Ray Rougeau the Mountie, uh, just the Mountie. But the character is being played by Ray Rougeau. So we're gonna retcon and have him introduced before SummerSlam. He has the feud with Big Boss Man. They have a DQ at SummerSlam. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm a little I'm still a little lost here. Okay. Where does SD I'm Jones just, fit into this? I'm just getting rid of SD the Ultimate Barber Warrior Jones. That's what we can do with our fantasy booking. Okay. We're, all right. I'm just I, I'm just trying to make heads or tails of it. That's all. Yeah. I'm, trying. I'm I'm just trying to swap it out to get rid of the comedy there and get into gotcha. uh, get into okay. more just booking. Okay. All right. So he he's been he, we we wished him well in his future endeavors, pretty much. Correct. Okay, all right, there we go. So, that, that, we, that, all right. so at SummerSlam, we would have a DQ between the Big Boss Man and the Mountie. Then they would continue their feud. We'll get into it in this episode. All right, moving on, we have the Nasty Boys defeating the Bushwhackers in a hard-fought victory. And this will um, culminate more. We'll, we'll see as we go. But two uh, hard-hitting teams here. To uh, brawling teams, um, just duking it out, and the Nasty Boys picking up a victory at SummerSlam. Gotcha. Okay. Moving on, we have the British Bulldog retaining and defeating the War, retaining his Intercontinental Championship and defeating the Warlord at SummerSlam 1991. Um, you know, proving that he is the champion and a strong champion at that. Then we also. All right. We also had Rick Rude and Mr. Perfect with Bobby the Brain Heenan defeating the Legion of Doom to become the new WWF Tag Team Champions with a distraction involvement from the Nasty Boys. 
So the interesting. Heenan, yeah, the Heenan family picked up uh, the tag team titles like we spoke of, and uh, they're they're with some gold there, and uh, the Legion of Doom, um, you know, lo- lose a couple pounds, but they also have some some new face or new nasty heels to deal with, the Nasty Boys. So the Nasty Boys got their hands full because they still got issues with the Bushwhackers, correct? Indeed, indeed. Okay, all right, interesting, all right. Then moving on, we have The Undertaker with Paul Bear defeating Abdullah the Butcher. And this was this was a decent showcase for the for Abdullah the Butcher, but uh, he just didn't have enough behind him and The Undertaker is way too strong at this point and uh, gave him that big choke slam from the second rope and uh, came away with the victory. Yeah, this is the uh, this doesn't sound like from what I remember that this is over just yet. We shall see as we get into this. Then the main event of SummerSlam was a two out of three falls match for the WWF World Championship. Sting defeating Ric Flair for the championship with the special enforcer Andre the Giant. Uh, Sting picking up the victory there in a classic between him and Ric Flair. You and I have talked about it. They've had so many classic matches. Uh, we could see this one going the distance and um, really being one of the one of the one one of the matches in their feuds that really stands out and uh, just gives Sting that second reign as the WWF champion. Very nice, very nice. Looking forward to seeing how that's going to all progress. Yes, indeed. Um, so we have the buildup from September, October to November for Survivor Series. Let's get into some of the uh, matches and feuds. We're going to have the boss man going up against the Mountie. In the weeks leading up to Survivor Series, you have the boss man getting his matches interrupted by the Mountie, continuing their feud. Um, the Mountie keeps using his shock stick on the boss man and beating him down, whether the boss man gets a victory or whether the match is interrupted. Jack Tunney then announces that there will be a dueling pole match at Survivor Series. One pole will have a nightstick. One pole will have the shock stick and at each end of the of uh, opposite corners of the ring each man can only grab his respective gimmick or weapon uh, i mean of course jack tunney's not going to say gimmick i mean that would be crazy if he did in 1991 but uh he's like man grab your gimmicks uh, but yeah so the i, I would, he, would he say dueling poles too yes it sounds like i mean is Vince Russo booking this one? <laughs> no, this is actually Vince. Ugh. Oh, Vince McMahon. And I go, and I go pro dueling pole match. Dueling poles. <laughs> oh God, that was a that was a bit in WBF that they nixed. The dueling poles. Yes. Well, it wasn't it wasn't shown on the screen, <laughs> but it might have happened behind the camera. Exactly. <laughs> um, so. Each man can go for his respective weapon. Uh, boss man can go for the nightstick. The Mountie can go for the shock stick. Once it's brought down, the, ma- the weapon can be used in the match, and then they have to attempt to get a pinfall victory, and that's the way to win. So that's your mount- match announced for Survivor Series. And, of course, in the months and weeks leading up, we're going to have a bunch of promos uh, with the boss man talking about his nightstick and the Mountie talking about his shock stick, kind of a... Uh, you know, who, who's got the bigger pole here? Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, I, uh, think Ru- I think Russo somehow had a hand in that line. 
bro. <laughs> it's a swerve, bro. We take the pole. We put a pole on each side, okay? We got one with a shark stick and one with a night stick. And you have to grab the other person's stick and use it on that person. It's perfect. It's perfect. Then you lay him down and beat him with your stick some more. Yeah. And then Jim Cornette goes on Twitter and he calls me the Antichrist of professional wrestling while these two guys are using each other's sticks on each other. Perfect, perfect. And I get death threats. Oh, man. Yep. All because of the boss man and the Mountie. Well, yeah. we'll see how that one pans out at Survivor Series. Moving on, the next match that'll be happening at Survivor Series, it'll be the Nasty Boys teaming with the Warlord and Barbarian, managed by Mr. Fuji, going against the Bushwhackers, Jim Duggan, and Virgil. This is kind of like a thrown-together match the month before the Survivor Series event. Um, during the month of September, Mr. Fuji returns to the WWF after a brief absence, and uh, he, he says he's managing the Warlord and Barbarian, teaming them back up together, and uh, they're going to make an impact, and they destroy some enhancement teams, so that gives them a nice push here. The Bushwhackers and Nasty Boys have dueling promos about how they're going to tear each other up once they get their hands on each other. Um, we should see how this goes. Jim Duggan and Virgil kind of get thrown in there because they're, they're, they're on the same uh, reading level as the Bushwhackers, if you will. Oh, God. <clears throat> you know, the rumbles and the jungles and the hoes. Uh, <laughs> and then licking foreheads. You know, it all kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, how, do you, oh, how do you feel about this, Dave? <laughs> Any interest or just like a seeming, seemingly classic throwaway uh, Survivor Series feud? If you book a spelling bee between these guys, I'd be more interested, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. Based on based on how you just described it, mm -hmm. yeah. If we have a spelling bee match with Virgil and the Bushwhackers, then I'll then I'll be then I'll I'll, I'll buy a ticket to see it. Um, the uh, was it the uh, Fuji coming back and bringing back the Warlord and Barbarian together as the as the powers of pain. I like that. That, that that's a little interesting because I didn't as a kid. I remember when they did in real time split the two of them up. Um, I wasn't sure what to make of it. Um, even though I didn't really have too much invested in, in the in the characters, but I always thought that, despite the fact that people looked at them as Legion of Doom or Road Warrior ripoffs, I thought they were they had a pretty impressive look um, about themselves uh, with the whole powers of pain presentation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on to the next match, we have the British Bulldog, Bret Hart, Owen Hart and Shawn Michaels going against Ted DiBiase, IRS, Earthquake, and Typhoon. Now, how does this happen? After SummerSlam, Ted DiBiase and IRS have some promos where DiBiase says that IRS is just one of the first new acquisitions in his new million-dollar corporation. And since the million-dollar belt had been tarnished and destroyed in our storyline, he wants to acquire the Intercontinental Championship at all costs. Bulldog then responds in some promos, saying Ted needs to prove himself. Money can't earn you what the strength and courage can and the crack-smoking privilege that I got. I mean, the, the hard work that I do in the ring. Uh, so Bulldog defending his, uh, his, his ground there. 
So Brett, Sean, Bulldog, and several other wrestlers travel to Europe and uh, they scout out some places possibly for next year and they tape some World Tour and UK Rampage matches. So the uh, the next week's wrestling challenge is kind of slim. So we have a match of uh, uh, between Coco Beware, Owen Hart, uh, teaming up to go against Earthquake and Typhoon. They, they've wrestled before. Let's, let's see it one more time. They put on a good fight. That's Owen Hart and Coco Beware. And all of a sudden, DiBiase and IRS come out. They show off this briefcase of money to Earthquake and Typhoon, the natural disasters. And all of a sudden, they beat the natural disasters, beat down Owen Hart and Coco. They throw Owen Hart out of the ring, double team Coco with some squashes, and the bell is rang for a DQ because they're they're violating the, the five count rule and uh, not adhering to the referee at all. They continue to squish. Coco, um, second rope splashes and a lot of earthquake stomping around. Um, as IRS is hitting the boots to Owen on the outside, he tosses him in the ring. It looks like Owen is going to be next. DiBiase comes into the ring with IRS as Earthquake and Typhoon are holding Owen up. Ted DiBiase grabs the briefcase, looks at Owen, and says, Tell your brother-in-law we can do this the hard way or the easy way. The first warning. Ha 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 And smashes the briefcase over the head of Owen Hart, leaving a big dent in the briefcase. Owen's laid out. And Coco is there holding his uh, his insides, maybe coughing up some blood. All four of these men walk out. Looks like we have new members of the million-dollar corporation, Earthquake and Typhoon. So, Coco ends up being injured indefinitely. Owen is still a little banged up. The weeks after, Bulldog says he wants a piece of the million-dollar corporation and Ted DiBiase. And he has family and friends of his own. So his team is going to be Brett, Sean, and still a little sore, Owen. And they're all going to team to go against Ted DiBiase and his new million-dollar corporation. Wow, interesting. Okay, so now we have a third heel stable as a part of, well, technically a second, I should say. Second heel stable, um, a part of the uh, the, the, the stories. In the, we got the Heenan family, now we got the Million Dollar Corporation. Yes, um, indeed. Okay. Yes, That's indeed. Okay, all right. Interesting. Interesting. So, and, and, and also, an observation I had just made um, when you were laying out how this all played out um owen getting hit in the head cracked over the head with uh with the briefcase very sounds very much like uh when uh dbsc and irs uh cracked beefcake in the face in 93 and we saw the mega maniacs but uh this time around are we gonna see owen and bulldog as the crackamaniacs may ooh, maybe yeah maybe they'll have a fall from grace Cracking! Oh my goodness! What? What's going All on? credits. Okay. <laughs> um, Dave, I'm going to ask you to take the lead on this one: Undertaker versus Abdullah the Butcher at Survivor right. Series. We're going to have a follow-up bout. Okay. All right. Well, follow- <laughs> all right. So, basically, following the SummerSlam encounter, um, both these guys would have a series of matches, respectively, on Superstars. Um, and wrestling challenge over random enhancement talents, um, keeping them both on television, staying relevant. Because at the time, um, it, it, the, the structure of the television is very similar to what it was back then. Um, 
being that you know you you wrestle enhancement talent um, on a weekly basis. They tape television, you know, three four weeks out uh, at one given television taping. Um, and in this instance, after one of Undertaker's matches, um, a particular mysterious hooded figure hmm. is, sta- is standing in the aisle. Uh, with Paul Bear looking confused as to who this individual could be, his presence distracts the Undertaker uh, at one point during this match. And on commentary, uh, whether it be Vince or Gorilla, um, they hint that it's one of Undertaker's creatures of the night, one of his followers. But they also imply that this could be someone who poses a threat to Undertaker. They're not really sure who this individual is. Um, Undertaker would end up getting the best of the enhancement talent to pick up the victory with the Tombstone pile driver. Uh, post-match, we would see Undertaker and Paul Bear standing in the ring following the victory, wondering who this individual was, kind of having a little bit of a stare down, a little bit of a face-off with commentary, trying to question and, and figure out what the situation could be. Um, as the hooded figure would leave to go to the locker room area, Paul Bear and Undertaker are still very bewildered. Um, and then the following week on Wrestling Challenger Superstars, we would see Abdullah the Butcher have a match with enhancement talent, um, and he would makes quick work of this individual uh let's just say Dwayne gill for instance Uh um and and as the match is going on this hooded figure shows up at ringside watching along um and commentary reminds us that this was the person that came out last week um you know in the undertaker's match what is he doing here um this individual would raise his arms and hold up some sort of hand signal um and Abdullah would notice it, and he would absolutely go berserk, going crazy, attacking Dwayne Gill, um, eventually the referee uh, causing uh, referee calling for a disqualification because Abdullah would, would stop. Um, the hooded figure would end up leaving um, the ringside area as Abdullah would continue to uh, go after the referees that were trying to get involved as well as officials, um, and it would be a scene just befitting of a massacre if you will Abdullah just kind of leaving everybody you know in the ring helpless referees officials Dwayne Gill um, we would then see this hooded figure appear in a few more matches with Undertaker and Abdullah over the next several weeks same kind of presence causing a distraction while both men um, would react violently towards their opponents in seeing this individual um, in one instance Abdullah would be wrestling and Undertaker would appear at ringside to play mind games, mind games. But, fo- but following him would be this hooded figure making his presence known with the notion that Abdullah is thinking he's with the Undertaker um, the announcers would then question what he's all about why does he have this hold on Abdullah that causes him to rage towards his opponents even Undertaker and Paul Bear are trying to figure it out um, this hooded figure would then disappear leaving everyone wondering what's going on um Abdullah would then try to return the favor on another edition of Superstars or Challenge or even Primetime Wrestling, um, following an Undertaker match, jumping him from behind, but Taker getting the best of him for a brief moment. Um, As Abdullah continues to uh, assault the Undertaker with his spike that he pulls out, um, the hooded figure appears in the audience. Abdullah spots him, loses his mind seeing this individual, and he attacks the Undertaker further. Referees attempt to stop it. there would be another incident with this hooded figure that will see him attempt to, attempt to help The Undertaker defeat one one of the Nasty Boys on an episode of Primetime Wrestling. It would be Brian Knobs wrestling Undertaker, and at one point, Paul Bearer calls for the tombstone. Jerry Stacks would get up on the apron as Jimmy Hart distract, is distracted with Paul Bearer on the floor. 
The referee would be tied up with that as Jerry Sags jumps on the apron from and from under the ring. This hooded figure would grab Jerry Sags, allowing the Undertaker to finish stops for the win. He would walk off as Undertaker and Paul Bearer are still looking confused as to what's going on. Even the announcers are like, Undertaker, they're, they're starting to recognize that Undertaker and Paul Bearer really don't have any idea who this person is. And who is it? Yeah, I, for, I'm going to take a wild guess. I think it's uh, um, Bushwhacker Luke. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you would be wrong. I know. <laughs> um, so all of these instances would lead to Undertaker eventually challenging Abdullah to a casket match on an edition of the funeral parlor. Mm. Uh, they would imply that you know, this casket that they're going to have to build will be special, um, fitting to be the, the home of the rotting carcass that is the madman of Sudan, a casket fit for Abdullah the Butcher. Um, the next several weeks, we would it would lead to Undertaker and Paul Bear building this double-wide, double-deep casket in their workshop. How, do, how does that go again, Dave? How does Bear double, say? Yeah. Double-wide, double-deep casket oh. <laughs> um, in these promos they would address this hooded figure implying that he might be the weakness the Achilles heel of Abdullah the Butcher but still even Undertaker and Paul Bearer themselves are still unsure of who this person is and what their motive is what their intentions are um, this person could be someone that is able to control the mind of Abdullah the Butcher from afar but someone that doesn't represent the Undertaker and his creatures of the night. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly so yeah. he will make Abdullah rest in peace. Yes. In the casket. So this is an interesting story. A lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of mind games going on, man. This is the inception of mind games. This is the inception of the casket match in our storyline. Um, we're taking parts of other pieces of uh, things that happen and introducing Abdullah the Butcher certainly a more uh, formidable opponent for The Undertaker at the time um, a dangerous one here um, as we see him attacking a lot of uh, enhancement talent and uh, Undertaker is on this um, on edge right now we see a lot of frustration and aggression from The Undertaker will that prevent him from winning this match? We'll see Yeah, who knows <clears throat> Moving on, the main event. It's going to be Sting, Roddy Piper, the Legion of Doom against Ric Flair, Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. You ask, how do we get there? Let's uh, let's let's go to it. Piper's pit after SummerSlam features the new WWF champion Sting. They're humming and chumming it up as the Heenan family, Ric Flair, Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, and Bobby the Brain Heenan come out to berate, to berate Sting and Piper. A tussle breaks out, a pushing contest, and the Heenan family begins to swing on Roddy Piper and Sting, getting the upper hand as a three-on-two beatdown turns into a four-on-two beatdown as Heenan grabs the WWF title and clocks Sting with it. As Piper is held back and punched and kicked on the ground, uh, made to look along, the Legion of Doom come out to a huge pop and run the entire Heenan family off. There's still heat in this water here. There's still uh, high tides going on, friction between these two uh, factions here, daddy. <laughs> so uh, the following week after that Piper's Pit, Jack Tunney announces 
the main event match for survival. Since Bobby the Brain Heenan wants to be involved physically, he will be the fourth member of the team. It'll be Ric Flair, Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, and Bobby the Brain Heenan going up against Sting, Roddy Piper, and the Legion of Doom. So we get a bunch of uh, enhancement matches leading up to uh, these the Survivor Series with the competitors and plenty of promos from the teams talking about how they're going to destroy the other ones and Bobby the Brain Heenan is talking so much shit about how he's going to lay Piper out he's going to stomp Sting he's going to destroy Animal and Hawk um, and you know this is this is this was all part of their plan so uh, we'll see how it goes um, <clears throat> well that looks like our card for Survivor Series um, you you ready to get in Survivor Series, Dave? Uh, yeah, we can do that, absolutely. We have one more stop before Survivor Series, though. We have a special okay. called the Sunday Night Slam. It's the Sunday before Survivor Series. It's a USA special. Um, tell us what goes on here. Okay, so uh, on the Sunday Night Slam, we see uh, Abdullah the Butcher in a match with the, the SD Barber Warrior, uh, whatever the fuck you want to call him. Yep. Uh, he's gonna face. He's, he's gonna face Abdullah the Butcher um, during this match. Paul Bear and the Undertaker would appear down the aisle with the debut of the casket, the double wide, double deep casket that they've been making for weeks. Um, Abdullah would spot this and he would just absolutely lose it, um, attacking SD, um, tossing him out of the ring, and then signaling for the Undertaker to come to the ring to fight him. Um, Undertaker would take off his hat, his his, his coat, and he would follow suit. Um, and they would go at it for a little bit until Abdullah would grab the spike and he would spike Undertaker in the throat. Um, after he had spiked him in the throat, referees um, referees are trying to break the whole thing up. The hooded figure returns. He's appearing at ringside. And this time, when he spots Abdullah and Abdullah kind of looks back at him, Abdullah backs off as Paul Bearer tends to the Undertaker. Um, and then the hooded figure just disappears, which just kind of leaves a big mystery as to, you know, what's going on. Where, where does this hooded figure stand in this in this this situation? And you know, what kind of mind control? It's obvious now that he has some sort of control over Abdullah the Butcher. Mm. But where does he stand with Undertaker and Paul Bearer? Because, or where does he stand with anyone for that matter? Um, that the, it, this hooded figure seems to be presenting a lot of mystery surrounding um, the situation. Um, so we'll see how that all plays out at Survivor Series. Now, the the, the, the next big match on the Sunday Night Slam special was well. Road, Warrior, Road Warrior Hawk taking part in a match with Ric Flair. Um, wow, great match. Yeah, it would, it would be a, a, a representation of um, each team previewing Survivor Series. Um, Flair, you know, now, mind you, the Heenan family, nor... The rest of Sting's team, they're not at ringside for this. So it's just Flair and Hawk straight up one-on-one. And I bring that up because there's a point I need to make um, at the end of this here. Flair would work the knee the majority of the match, basic psychology there. Um, and then the finish would come when Flair would put Hawk in the figure four, but Hawk wouldn't give up. He would pass out from the pain, and the referee would count the one, two, three. Uh, Flair would win the match. Post-match would see... Um, Animal show up to tend to his partner, check on Hawk. Uh, when all of a sudden the rest of the Heening family shows up to attack them both, further injuring the knee of Hawk, uh, Piper and Sting, nowhere to be found, mind you. Okay, they weren't at ringside for this match. We would find out 
that they are in the back trying to get out of the dressing room, but it was barricaded via a forklift. Whoa. And this would be how we would eliminate Hawk from the match at Survivor Series. Going into that show, now where's who's gonna who's gonna replace Hawk because he's unable to take part in the main event at Survivor Series. Wow. Good stuff there, leaving everybody hanging on by a thread the week before Survivor Series. What's going to happen? Will they get a fourth member? Will Hawk be healed? Uh, will he come out of nowhere? Uh, will they find somebody to replace him? What's going to happen? Yeah. Who knows? Hmm. Who knows? Nobody knows. Well, let's go to Survivor Series. Survivor Series 1991. Uh, let's start the card off hot with a four-on-four Survivor Series elimination match. The British Bulldog... Bret Hart, Owen Hart, and Shawn Michaels against Ted DiBiase, IRS, Earthquake, and Typhoon. This match starts out with the British Bulldogs music hitting hard at the beginning. Everybody pops and woo! Here he comes waving his uh, Union Jack flag and he has his intercontinental title around his waist. Halfway down the aisle, all of a sudden he's banged out of nowhere. Uh, he's Pearl Harbored, rather by Earthquake and Typhoon and IRS. Wow, with the Million Dollar Man nowhere to be seen, um, the rest of Bulldog's team runs down and we have a six on, a six man brawl, three on three in the aisleway um, as they like head towards the ring and start uh, brawling. Um, Bulldog is laid out and he's down on the ground holding the back of his head. Owen ends up going into the ring, hitting a big tope spot to the to the natural disasters on the outside. Sean hits a big back elbow from the from the turnbuckle as well, throwing everybody else down. Brett throws IRS in the ring and we get the match officially started. Referees and agents are still looking at Bulldog as he is laid out during this match. Brett is able to then have a good battle with IRS until the natural disasters hit uh, Brett with, in the back with a forearm as he runs the rope. Um, IRS then takes advantage and uh, Bulldog's looking like he's getting walked out um, by the officials meanwhile as this is all going on so uh, I don't know if Bulldog will be able to compete in this match we shall yeah, see it sounds, like, uh, it sounds like it's a night of uh, the, the, the odds get being stacked against them yes um, yeah, or at least the baby faces that is because it's not the only instance where a Survivor Series team um is going into a match uh, at a disadvantage. Exactly. Um, during this match, Brett is able to get a hot tag to Sean. Sean is then in the ring and fires up and gets some spots on the heels, um, taking out, um, you know, IRS and the earthquake. And then IRS quickly turns Sean inside out with a clothesline. We get a tag to earthquake, and a splash is missed as Sean rolls to tag in Owen. Owen is in and he's firing up with drop kicks to everybody. He jumps from the top turnbuckle to the team that's gathered on the outside. The heels are trying to collect themselves after the drop kicks and uh, Owen crashes on all of the heels but he seems to have tweaked his knee. Um, he, he looks a little hurt here and uh, banged up. He goes back into the ring slowly and Owen tries to go for a tag to uh, Brett or Sean, but he's beat down by the heels. Finally, the million dollar man comes down the uh, aisleway very slowly to a to an audience filled with booze. Um, 
Yeah, the, the audience is filled with booze and they're booing him. Ha ha ha. See what I did there. All right. Out during the beatdown, a million dollar man comes out and he gets a tag in. Million dollar dream to Owen and an easy one, two, three picking up the scraps here. Looks like it's uh, Brett and Sean going up against the million dollar corporation by themselves right now. Um, <clears throat> so Brett is in the ring quickly and uh, Ted tags out to not uh, have any type of inner, you know, you know, wrestling involved. He's trying to pick up the scraps. He tags Typhoon as uh, Brett and Typhoon scuffle in the ring. Eventually, Brett makes a quick escape out of the corner um, for some double team action from the nat natural disasters at the, as they try to cheat. And Brett and Sean get tagged in and they do their usual double teaming as uh, Brett likes to do a figure four and Sean drops the elbow from the corner, um, a little mixing up of both of their moves. Brett holds Earthquake in that figure four and Sean goes to do the elbow drop as IRS distracts the referee. Typhoon runs in and catches Sean mid-air, slams Sean onto Brett. Um, they roll Brett out, and Earthquake gets a big splash on the Sean. One, two, three. Sean Michaels is eliminated. Oh no! Brett is beat down. Um, he's slowly entering the ring as Earthquake and Typhoon go for a double splash. Um, Brett moves, and the men collide belly to belly. Uh, Brett is able to roll up Earthquake, uh, actually Typhoon, after the tag was made. And he gets a quick roll-up. One, two, three, a shock victory there. Uh, Brett eliminates Typhoon. The heels are pissed. It looks like Brett is here by himself, and he has to fend off Earthquake as Earthquake starts to beat down Brett. Um, he goes for a splash into the corner. Brett ducks out of the way. It's a lot of evasive stuff from Brett here. He's quick. He's cunning. He's, he, he's, uh, he's, he's, you know, he's a technician here. Brett's exhausted and he's so out of it. He's reaching for the corner, but nobody's in the corner. Wait a second. Somebody's running down. It's the British Bulldog. Out of nowhere, leaps on the corner. Hot tag to Brett. He's inside. He clears house on the startled team of heels. He scoops up the earthquake for a huge running power slam. One, two, three. He eliminates earthquake. A huge elimination there. The crowd is popping big time. They're into it. The Bulldog then runs on uh, IRS, throws him into the ring. Um, IRS ha gets slid the briefcase from Million Dollar Man. He goes to hit Bulldog with it, but Bulldog ducks, gives him a big back body slam and a huge military press. IRS rolls out with Ted DiBiase. They grab the Halliburton and they hit the brakes. The referee counts one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, very quickly, and both men are counted out. British Bulldog and Bret Hart are your sole survivors here. British Bulldog helps Bret Hart out. Um, they're both kind of banged up, but they survived this. They kind of ran off the heels. And, uh, yeah, this battle continue. We'll, we'll see what happens. Dave, any thoughts? Um, the only thing that really struck me is that um, the, the, the way Sean got eliminated, um, something that I think we should keep in mind, is that going to be something that's going to be further addressed with him and Brett? down the line that's the one thing that really kind of stuck out to me correct yeah they're utilizing this tag uh these tag team moves and he gets he gets caught while doing that uh, maybe it's the pressure of being in a tag team uh you know tag team 
formation with Brett. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, um, we shall see how this continues. Will the British Bulldog still have his hands full with the Million Dollar Corporation? Um, how will Brett and Sean pan out? We shall see. That's your first match. All right, the second match, we go to the uh, sticks on poles. It's the big boss man going up against the Mountie in a dueling pole match. <laughs> uh, Okay, anyhow, this is not much to see here. (laughs) The boss man gets a hold of the shock stick um, after the nightstick had come down to play. Uh, Boss man eventually shocks the Mountie, pins him. One, two, three, this feud seems over. Boss man picking up a victory there and uh, besting the Mountie. He's got the bigger stick. I, I, I had a feeling something like that was going to happen. And I'm not talking about the finish of the match. I'm talking about the comment you just made. Well, Dave, it's not the size. It's the way you use it. Yeah, I know. I've heard that before, too. <laughs> uh, so, uh, moving on, the next four-on-four Survivor Series elimination match takes place. It's the Bushwhackers teaming with Jim Duggan and Virgil against the Nasty Boys, Warlord and Barbarian with Mr. Fuji. Uh, this one here, the um, the Nasty Boys end up being the sole survivors um, with the Warlord and Barbarian. Their whole team destroys the Bushwhackers, Jim Duggan and Virgil. How do you see this one playing out, Dave? Another brawl? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be pretty ugly with all of them, but... Um... Yeah, I, I don't really see, I don't really foresee um, any kind of finesse in this match. Just, you know, a lot of brawling, um, very hard-hitting, very physical. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Dave, you want to do the honors for the next match, the casket yeah, yeah, match? Yeah, absolutely. It's the casket match with The Undertaker, accompanied by Paul Bearer, taking on Abdullah the Butcher. Um, the match starts with this hooded figure already at ringside before both men appear. And uh, Paul Bearer is trying to figure out what this hooded figure wants. He approaches him outside the ring, and the hooded figure is just, you know, stonewalling him the whole time. He gets nothing. Um, And for the most part, the hooded figure really doesn't have a role in the actual match itself. He's just kind of there looking on as the match progresses. Um, Both guys would would, uh, brawl. Uh, throughout the ringside area with multiple attempts from each guy to stuff their opponent in the casket. Um, the finish comes when Abdullah goes to spike Taker with his fork or his spike or whatever, but Undertaker counters and nails Abdullah in the eye with his own spike, resulting ah. in resulting in blood loss everywhere. Um, he's down, and uh, he can't see and he's debilitated, and Undertaker rolls him towards the casket, but just as he's about to open it, out of nowhere, the return of Jake the Snake Roberts. He pops out of the casket, attacking the Undertaker, helping Abdullah beat down on the dead man. Um, Paul Bearer looks on, and he's trying to summon the powers of the Undertaker with the urn, when all of a sudden the hooded figure makes his presence felt and shows us where his true allegiance lies and throws a fireball in Paul Bearer's eyes. Um, with Paul Bearer down... Um, the hooded figure enters the ring as he's watching Jake the Snake and Abdullah the Butcher punish the Undertaker, bloodying him with the spike. Um, then both Jake and Abdullah stop what they're doing 
uh, look over at this hooded figure and smile. And as they smile, the hooded figure removes his hood to reveal that he's Gary Hart. <sighs> Gary Hart, as we all know from days in world class and Jim Crockett promotions and Florida Championship Wrestling, um, Gary Hart makes his presence felt with Abdullah the Butcher and Jake the Snake Roberts forming this alliance, so to speak. Um, they would eventually roll Undertaker into the casket for the victory. And now we see an unholy alliance formed between these three as they all walk off to the backstage area with everyone wondering what the hell we just saw. Wow. And remember the last time that we saw Jake the Snake Roberts, he was the one putting the casket from The Undertaker. It wasn't a casket match, but The Undertaker finished Jake the Snake Roberts off, put him in the casket, maybe that dark spot or that dark place that Jake was in. Uh, you know, Gary Hart was able to reach him. And yeah. uh, wow, this this unholy alliance with Abdullah the Butcher seems like they have a uh, they have a, a reason or a cause to take out The Undertaker here. We shall see what happens. This is this is great stuff here. Thank you. Thank you very much. But The Undertaker um, is getting bested. Yes. Now he's got a real... He's, the, the odds are really up against him now. Um, and, you know, his past is coming back to haunt him with Jake the Snake Roberts returning. So uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, trajectory for all the men involved as to how this whole thing progresses. Absolutely. And uh, finally, the main event here, the four-on-four Survivor Series elimination match. Sting, Piper... LOD animal, uh, maybe LOD hawk question mark versus the Heenan family, Ric Flair, Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Dave, how's it going? Um, you know, the, uh, this this situation here is is uh, a little bit different than the one that you had presented earlier with Davy Boy, kind of being, you know, and his team being at odds. Um, earlier in the evening, Jack Tunney would be interviewed on the podium uh, with me and Gene Oakland, and he would inform fans in attendance and the pay-per-view audience that Hawk is unable to compete in the match, and he's allowing Sting's team to find a suitable replacement to step in before the main event. Um, Sting would show up with his team on the podium together and discuss the injuries that Hawk had suffered at the hands of the Heenan family. Um, and Sting says that he made a call to an old friend earlier in the day, and that individual is on his way to the arena to fill in for the team. Huh. Um, Sting, Sting informs us that he's been that this individual has been waiting a long time to come to the WWF, and he's got some old scores to settle with Ric Flair in particular, but not before Sting gets a piece of him. Huh. Piper would step in and say, no, sir, I'm getting first crack at Flair, regardless of who this individual is. So it kind of sounds like Piper doesn't even know who this person is on the hmm. team. Hmm. Hmm. Um, we get to the match, and the Heenan family comes out waiting for Sting's team to enter. The baby faces each have their own separate entrance. And when Sting makes his entrance, he comes out and grabs the microphone and says that their partner is here and he's ready. He's the equalizer that we need to survive in this match. And he's the total package Lex Luger. Whoa. Yes, that old score to settle with Ric Flair is coming back to haunt him. Um, the Heenan family, not very happy. Bobby Heenan um, looks like he's in shock, maybe even afraid, almost like he saw a ghost. He's practically crying in the corner. Um, Flair does his usual temper tantrum, and Mr. Perfect and Rick Rude, they just really don't know what to make of the situation either. Um, 
Sting and Animal, they're they're real excited at the prospects of Luger being a part of their team. While Piper, who's always been known to be a rebel, he's got a little bit of a confused look on his face. He's not really showing any kind of excitement that Luger is filling in for the team. Um, what the Sting hell are you Hawk doing? What the hell you doing? Hawk try to I'm sorry. I'm doing my Piper. What the hell you doing? I oh, okay. uh, disgust this with me. <laughs> Sting and Hawk try to convince Piper that Luger's good to go, but Piper, he's more upset that Sting didn't didn't tell him who the replacement was going to be. Mm-hmm. Like this was a secret to him. Um, as we go throughout the match, any chance Luger would get to tag in, Piper would steal the tag from him and preventing him from entering the match. Uh, Piper's logic is that he'd rather get the job done himself rather than rely on someone to do it for him, someone he doesn't trust. Um, Sting, who is kind of playing the middleman here, he's bewildered as to why Piper is acting this way, kind of adding to the tension between the two of them as, as that's been built in this story as well. Um, on the other side, the Heenan family has been protecting Bobby from entering the match the entire time. Anytime they gained the upper hand or isolated the baby faces in the corner, um, they allowed the the brain to get in some cheap shots but quickly tag him and out um at some point this match animal would get eliminated by mr perfect um with a roll-up which leaves them now at a disadvantage four on three um oh, no. late later on in the match sting and rude are going at it with sting starting to make a comeback following a series of uh, rest holds from rick rude sleeper hold rear chin lock headlock um wearing down sting he would fight back with some elbows to the midsection, rights and lefts, kicks to the midsection. Then he sets to run off the ropes and goes for a clothesline to Root, but he ducks. And as he hits the ropes to try it again, he accidentally hits Piper, who's standing on the ring apron, oh, no. and flies off into the guardrail, a.k.a. the Owen Hart spot from Survivor Series 1993. Mm, uh, mm. Sting would stop to check in on Piper. And as he's doing that, Rude would nail the Rude Awakening on Sting from behind for the win and an elimination in the match. Wow. So now Sting's eliminated, and it's four on two with the Heenan family getting the advantage. Um, As Sting is being carried out by officials, Luger's on the floor checking on Piper and eventually rolling him back into the ring. Now on commentary, Gorilla Monsoon is questioning why Luger didn't continue the match himself. Piper isn't the legal man, and... He's hurt. Why doesn't Luger enter? He hasn't wrestled a lick at all in this match. And Monsoon's kind of questioning what's going on. Um, we would see the Heenan family continue to beat on Piper. A lot of quick tags in and out. Bobby Heenan getting a few cheap shots from time to time. At some point, Flair gets in there thinking he's going to finish the job and starts the process of working on the leg to set up the figure four. He would eventually manage to slap it on the first try and valiantly Piper make it, makes it to the ropes. Mm. The work on the leg would continue, and Flair attempts at it again, but this time the ref counts Piper's shoulders down only for a two-count. Flair would end up breaking the hold, frustrated that he hasn't finished him yet. Bobby Heenan would tag himself in, much to the dismay of the other Heenan family members, because he wants to finish the job. He gets a few kicks in, stomps on the leg, pulls Piper up and slaps him across the face, humiliating him. And as he does that, the crowd gasps. Bobby's gloating over the fact that he just humiliated Piper with that slap. But unbeknownst to him, Hot Rod on one leg gets back up and brain turn and the, the brain turns around and Piper delivers his signature eye poke and then hobbles back down to the canvas. Mm. 
Bobby the Brain's having trouble seeing what's going on because he got poked in the eyes. He's crawling to find where he is, where his corner is, and to tag one of the other Keenan family members. Piper crawls to his corner and makes the hot tag to Luger. And Brain would get the tag to Rick Rude. Now, Luger comes into this match. Crowd's been anticipating his, his participation in the match the entire time. It gets a huge pop. And Rude looks to be nervous as Luger is soaking in the, 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 the crowd support he's getting from the audience. And what looks to be like Luger charging Rude turns out to be Luger delivering his signature bionic forearm to Rowdy Roddy Piper, who is no. still in the ring. The rest of the Heenan family jump on the attack as Luger's on the outside celebrating with Bobby Heenan. The referee would count Luger out as he was the legal man. The three-on-one beatdown would continue while Brain and Luger are on the outside gloating that this plan just came together. Eventually, after several minutes of the triple-team quick tags between Flair, Rude, and Piper, each guy giving Piper their finishers, Flair would pick the bones and slap on the figure four, and Piper is passed out from the pain, forcing the referee to call the match. The winners and your sole survivors, Rick Flair, Rick Rude, and Mr. Perfect, and Bobby the Brain Heenan, the entire Heenan family. Wow. Um, wow. We would see a post-match beatdown on him some more with Luger giving him the torture rack, and then Sting would make his way back out to make the save as he nails Flair, Rude, and Perfect with a chair. But as he turns around, Luger's standing in the middle of the ring watching it all unfold, gloating, while Sting is baffled at what Luger just did, turning on him, turning on the team. Luger tries to bait Sting into nailing him with the chair. Sting still is confused as to why his friend would do this. The crowd encouraging Sting to nail Luger, but for some reason he just can't do it. The history of their friendship comes into play, which is alluded to on commentary throughout the entire match. This becomes a conflict of Sting's, and Luger slowly backs away and leaves with the Heenan family, smirking at the fact that he's got some kind of mind control over Sting and using his friendship to manipulate him. So, yeah, that's where we'll, we'll leave it. So we have that reveal being there. Luger is that guy. Uh, he's 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 been he's been here all along. So this was a plan in place. We're gonna find out more on the next episode. Um, wow, what what a way to what a way to end it though. Um, I mean, you you have this this team that was uh, put in a hard spot, and it looks like Heenan had a plan A and a plan B, um, and Luger was that plan B, the uh, the enforcer there, the total package. Um, and Luger does have that history with Rick Rude as he was introduced with Rick Rude. Um, he also has that history with Ric Flair as you're, we will discuss um, uh, in the next episode. Uh, Ric Flair would divulge more and uh, tell us why Luger did it. And Luger might say why he did it. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's our Survivor Series event 1991 what's going to happen next with the undertaker and this unholy alliance uh where does the british bulldog go from here going up against ted dibiase and his million dollar corporation how are brett owen and sean gonna pan out um and then sting roddy piper lod the heenan family what's going to happen with this ongoing feud uh they picked up uh, a victory, a sneaky victory over the faces, and Luger is introduced here, a new player in the game. We have a new toy to play with. Um, yeah, find out next time on episode 17 of Hulkamania is Dead, where we will be covering 
this Tuesday in Texas. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, Dave, thank you for uh, helping me. And uh, as always, you can find us on any podcasting platform by searching Retromania with a W. That's Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. Dave, where can everybody find you? And we will sign off. Facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two, as well as our Twitter handle at kicking out two, K I C K N O U T, and the number two. All the links to archive shows and all kinds of great retro pro wrestling content on both of our social medias. Check it out, kicking out of two. All right, everybody, see ya. Okay.